So this guy runs into a, a drugstore, you know, goes up to the window where the pharmacy tech is working. He says, help me, help me quick. I need something for hiccups. So the clerk thinks for a minute. She reaches out the window and smacks him in the face. He takes a step back and says, why'd you do that? She said, well, you don't have the hiccups anymore. He said, I never did. It's for my wife out in the car. But, you know, sometimes we're like that technician. We, we prejudge people. We, we don't have all the information, and we think we know something about somebody, and, and we react on what we think we know. I was driving this week across town, going on some of the, some of the back roads there, and I came to what I thought was a four-way stop, and there was a car coming, and it was going pretty fast, and there was this lady driving this car. She had a scowl on her face and a cigarette hanging out, and I said, she's not going to stop. She's going to run that four-way stop. And so I made sure that I stopped, but then I noticed it wasn't a four-way stop. It was just my side that had the stop. She had the right-of-way. But then she stopped, and she looked at me, and she smiled, and she went just like that. Well, the whole time I was thinking, man, that lady needs Jesus. I prejudged her until she stopped and she, she showed me. Maybe she's got Jesus. I don't know. As I went on a little further, I had to stop because of a school bus was coming to meet me. You know, the school bus coming this way. I'm going that way. Put his little sign out. And I thought, why is he stopping? There's no kids anywhere around here. And she waited for a minute. And then all of a sudden, the door to the house opened. This beautiful little, about six-year-old, had a little backpack, bouncing. She came down the sidewalk, went down the driveway. She gets to the end of the driveway, and she stops. And she looks that way, she looks that way, and she runs across the road, gets on the bus. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, now here's another one. I wonder if that little girl had Jesus. I don't know. Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. What about her parents that live in this house? Do they know Jesus? Do they go to church? You see, this pray-and-go thing starting to work on me. And then I went to, uh, went to the bank later on. A, a lady in our church passed away a year or so ago, left a CD to the church, and the bank wanted the preacher to come and cash in that CD. And so I went over to pick up the check, and I got to talking with the clerk that was working at the bank there. And he was a real nice young man, and he said, Yeah, this is my last week here. I'm getting ready to, uh, I've started my own mowing business, and I'm going to go into that full time, and um, uh, I'm leaving the bank. And so he handed me his card and said, you know, if you ever need somebody to cut your grass, here you go. And I said, well, i got a good friend that does that, and I'll probably call him first. But, um, but anyway, he, he uh, was just real nice, and we talked about some other things. And he knew I was a preacher because I was there on behalf of the church. And he said, you know, I've found since COVID, it's just real easy to get a cup of coffee, sit down in front of the TV and watch church online. And, and I had a little more conversation with him. And I said, remember what the Bible says, don't give up the meeting together. And I said, if you ever want to come to live church, here's my card and you come visit us at Central Christian Church. And so we had a good conversation. But I found myself as I was leaving thinking about that young man. Just because he goes to church don't mean he knows Jesus. Here, here again was my opportunity to pray. Lord, I'm praying. 
that that young man does know Jesus. And if you give me opportunity, Lord, again, I'm going to share Jesus with that young man and find out. And, and as I went about my day and I was thinking about these people that I really, you know, two of them I really didn't contact, but, but, but I was made aware of them, and I just thought about the fact that we need to be in prayer for our community to come to know Jesus and to find a, a good church. That's what Pray and Go is all about. We started last week this series called Pray and Go, and, it, and we started a campaign. And we're talking about praying for our neighbors and then going and somehow getting one of these door hangers to them, maybe on their car, maybe in, on their doorknob, maybe on their gate to their fence or whatever, where, somewhere where they will see it and they will know that we have prayed for these folks, and, you know, it's got a place where they can contact us if they need further prayer. We just want them to know that we're here for them, and perhaps uh, they will contact us, and we may be able to share Jesus with them and bring them into our church so they will have a church home. Dennis Holbrook is the, the chairman of our Pray and Go campaign, and he's going to come and share with you about the information you have in your bulletin. So if you'll go ahead and pull that out uh, and look at it as Dennis talks to you. Morning. You all got the uh, flyer in your bulletin. And as we were telling you last week, this, this is simple. And that's part of what makes it so great. The, the core of pray and go is to pray. We're not asking you to knock on doors. As a matter of fact, this will tell you we don't want you knocking on doors. We're not asking you to run people down and talk to them. We're asking you to pray for the folks, leave the door hangers so that they know that you thought about them. Mark's told us the illustrations of the folks he saw the other day in his daily life, and that's, that's the mindset we need to develop. We need to be praying for everybody we see around us. And we're praying that they would come to know Jesus, that Jesus would be central to their life. If we pick some of them up as members of Central, that's wonderful. But what we're really praying for is the change for these folks and for our community and for our world because we're, we're trying to get Jesus more deeply embedded in, in our community and, and in the folks we come in contact with. One thing on here that we didn't mention at all last week, we are going to ask you to report back to us the areas you've worked, the house numbers, the house addresses where you left the door hangers. The reason being... We're going to try to have a comprehensive map of our community and areas that get missed, and that's where we're going to be sending our teams back to target those areas. So as you work your neighborhood or your coworkers or however you're approaching it in this, please report those addresses to us so that we'll know them. Email would be the preferred way, but if that doesn't work for you, jot them down on a piece of paper and get them to Mark, Chris, myself, and we'll, we'll get them on into the log. But... Uh, Again, we ask you to start last week praying. If you're a week behind, that's okay. If you forgot all about it, just pray harder this week. This will, we'll, we'll unroll this next week. You'll get your door hangers next week, and we'll really be going. But just be in prayer that we could uh, reach a lot of folks and cause folks' lives to be different and better because Jesus is in their life. Thank you. Amen. So I begin the day with this question. Why does prayer relate to our outreach efforts as a church? Now, we talked last week about how prayer relates to our outreach efforts. 
Last week we talked about how, um, how God expects us to pray and how it's about a faith relationship with God when we come before Him in prayer and about how we should come with this humble attitude, forgiving of others and, and in humility, uh, believing that God's will, that we want to do God's will here on this earth. I'd like for you to turn today to Acts chapter uh, 1, and we're going to look a little bit at what the early church did as they began to spread the church. The book of Acts tells about the beginning of the church, and it tells about the spread of the church over about a 30-year period. But I want you to look here in chapter 1 at how the church began. Now, Acts is written by Luke. He's the same guy who wrote the book of Luke. His name is not written right here in the beginning, but it says, um, uh, in my former book, he says, and he wrote both of those books to a man named Theophilus, probably the guy that uh, financed the publishing of this book. And he tells in the beginning there that Jesus had left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the people, uh, for the apostles and the early followers of Jesus. He also gave many convincing proofs, it says, over 40 days after Jesus was resurrected that he was alive. And he told those apostles, don't leave Jerusalem. At this point, they're at the Mount of Olives. And he's saying, go back to the Jerusalem and wait. And in verse 9, it says, he, or verse 8, it says, he told them they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them and they would be witnesses for Jesus. Verse 9 says, at that point, he was taken up to heaven. And here the apostles are standing around looking up and Jesus is gone. It says two men in white appeared, probably angels. And he said, why are you guys hanging around here? Do what Jesus told you to do. So they go back to Jerusalem and we're going to pick up here the story in Chapter 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together, now get this, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary and the brothers of Jesus, and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, let's think about what's going on. They're gathered together. You have 11 of the apostles. You know, this is a little bit confusing because some of these apostles have the same name. There's Peter, who's also known as Simon. And then there's Simon the Zealot, who is a different person. There are two James. There's James, who is the brother of John. But then there's also James, the son of Alphaeus. And then there are two Judases. Judas, um, son of James, and then Judas Iscariot. But you notice Judas Iscariot's name is not here. He's the one that betrayed Jesus, and he was put to death. Or he, he killed himself. He actually hanged himself. That's talked about later on down in the first chapter of Acts. But these guys were together and they began to pray. So the first thing I want us to think about today is that Jesus' apostles understood the importance of prayer. The text says they were constantly 
in prayer. That means they prayed a lot. That doesn't mean that's all they did, but they prayed a lot. And last week we learned how they prayed. You know, if you have not, uh, if you weren't here, weren't able to be here, or didn't watch online, you can go back and watch that message. It's on our website. It's about us kicking off this Pray and Go campaign where we're going to go and pray over houses and leave those door hangers and just let our community know we care about them and we love them. But Jesus impressed on them the power of prayer and the importance of prayer has to their ministry. In fact, they demonstrated that as they went about starting the church. In Acts chapter 1, verse 24, they prayed for guidance in selecting a replacement for Judas, who was, who was dead. In Acts chapter 4, verse 23, there's a story of, uh, of, Jane, of Peter and John who had been jailed, and they got out of jail, and they came to the place where all the other believers were gathered. And first thing they did was they prayed together. And so there was a lot of prayer going on. In Acts chapter 6, they found the apostles found themselves overwhelmed with this ministry of delivering food to the widows. That's a whole other story. But they weren't doing it well. And... The, some people started complaining and they said we're just overwhelmed by this we want to appoint some men to take on this ministry and they did that because they said we need to devote ourselves to the ministry of praying and preaching of the word and so they prayed and then they selected some men and they prayed over them in Acts chapter 9 verse 40 one of the believers a lady named Tabitha also known as Dorcas died and people were gathered at her bedside, and she was laying on the bed, and Peter came in, he told everybody to leave the room, and the text says he got down on his knees, and he prayed for her, and she sat up. She was alive, and he led her out, and took her through the house, and showed her to everybody. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, just really gives us a description of what that early church was like. And in verse 42 there, it says, they devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Prayer was central to the ministry of that early church. 1 Thessalonians 5.1, Paul instructs us to pray continually. That doesn't mean that we, we, all we do is pray, but what that means is we're always bathing the things that we're about to do in prayer. We're always praying to God as we go about our business, as, as whatever we do, that we're, we're bringing it before the Father in prayer. In James 4.2, it says, You have not because you ask not. In fact, James goes into a little teaching here about the way you come before God and ask. And he, you know, he talks about the motive for your prayer. And in James 5.16, it says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and we believe there's power in prayer there was this this little girl six years old uh, her name was uh, Hillary and Hillary went to Sunday school and got a lesson about Daniel from the Old Testament and how he prayed and how God worked in his life and so she became a big believer in prayer well, that same week, though, she got in trouble from her mama, and she got sent to her room. After she was in the room for a little while, she came back out, and she handed her mom a little letter, and it said this, <clears throat> Dear Mommy, please pray this prayer and mean it. Dear God, help me be kind to Hillary. Amen. 
So, you know, I think she understood the power of prayer, but you know what? It worked. Hillary didn't have to go back to her room. In fact, she had her mama laughing and crying at the same time because her mom knew that she understand prayer. And, and, you know, there's power in prayer. And prayer is important as it relates to our ministry for the church. Now, the second thing I want you to see is that as the apostles and the other prayed, the Spirit began to move. You know, the word Spirit is used 67 times in the book of Acts. It's a big theme of the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit worked to help the apostles and others as they began to build the church and spread the church. It's a huge part of the ministry of the apostles and the people of God as they tell the good news to other people. The Holy Spirit is often connected with this idea of prayer in the book of Acts. You know, when we pray to God, we can ask, God, send your spirit. I know people all the time that, that, you know, that I know are having struggles or, or that don't know the Lord, and I'll say, Lord, send your spirit to help that person come to Jesus or, or help that person know what they need to know. Throughout my ministry, uh, full-time for almost 25 years, I've seen countless people that people said, that person will never come to Jesus. They'll never come to church. And what have I seen? I've seen them come. I've seen them be baptized. I've seen them become vital part of the church. Because, not because of anything I did, it's because of the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. If we see the book of Acts, we see that Holy Spirit working in all kinds of ways. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached the first gospel sermon in public. And as he preached, it says the people were cut to the heart. And many people came and they said, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, the Spirit came on those apostles and led them to preach. In Acts chapter 4, we talked about this a while ago, when Peter and John were released from prison. They got together. I want to read you this prayer that they prayed in Acts chapter 4. It begins at verse 24. When Peter and John showed up, they'd, they'd gotten out of jail. It says, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations raise against the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Search your hand, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then listen to what happened. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
They went. The Holy Spirit began to work as they prayed to God. In Acts 8, 15, the apostles went to Samaria. There were some people there that believed in Jesus. And they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And many did. In Acts chapter 9, there's one of the greatest stories of the Bible. It's about a man named Saul who was going against Jesus. He was persecuting the, the believers of what they called the way in that day. Uh, he was persecuting the church. He was a Jewish man. And he was bringing people before the chief priests and the elders and having them thrown in jail because they were, he said they were blaspheming God. And Paul's on the road to Damascus where there was a big pocket of Christian believers and he was going to shut them down. But on that road, he was struck blind. He was not able to see. And Jesus spoke to him and said, Paul, you're going to be my apostle to the Gentiles. And he told this man, Saul, he said, you go to Damascus to a place called Straight Street and somebody's going to come and talk to you. And Jesus was working on the other end and sent a man named Ananias to come and meet with Paul. And when Ananias came and laid his hands on Paul after they had been praying, it says Paul had been praying, and the Holy Spirit came on Paul, and he became the greatest missionary the world has ever known. They changed his name from Saul to the Apostle Paul, and he went out and spread the gospel all over the world. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, not a Jewish man, but a God-fearing man, and he's praying to God, and God spoke to him and said, send for a man named Peter. This is Peter the apostle. And Cornelius had some of his servants go, and Peter was praying, and Peter had never thought about going and taking the gospel message to non-Jewish people, to Gentiles, but the, whole, the Lord spoke to Peter and said, you're supposed to go and preach to these Gentiles. And Peter went and preached to Cornelius and all of his household, and they received the Holy Spirit. You see, the prayer and the Spirit work together. In Acts chapter 13, after Saul had been converted, he's in Antioch, and he's there with a bunch of the church leaders, and they're praying about the ministry they should do. And the Holy Spirit came and said, you guys need to send Saul, Paul, and Barnabas to go out and take the message to the Gentile people. And Paul and them were filled with the Spirit. And they left and they rest is history how they spread the gospel message all over the world. You see, when we pray, God's Spirit moves. And it works. There's power in prayer. And you know, I think maybe God is just waiting to unleash His Spirit in our ministry area. Maybe He's waiting to unleash His Spirit in us and through us and around us for His glory so that more and more people can come to know Jesus Christ. God can do amazing things. Fred Craddock is a, a, was, he passed away last year, He's a great preacher. He was a professor, a seminary professor. He wrote several books on preaching. If you go to seminary today, chances are you will be asked to read one of Fred Craddock's books. He's an excellent preacher. And uh, he tells a story about a new preacher that came in, you know, first week on the job, and they called and said, you need to go to the hospital and pray for one of your congregants. She's on her deathbed, and they need you to pray. So he goes in, talks to the woman for a little while, gets to know her a little bit, and then he says, uh, well, I'd like to pray for you before I go. She said, that'd be fine. 
He says, what do you want me to pray? She said, well, I want you to pray I'll be healed, of course. And he said, oh, okay. And so he prays this generic prayer, Lord, bless this dear sister. And Lord, I ask you to heal her body and bring her back into the fold and, and you know, restore her health. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as soon as she opened her eyes, she sat up. She said, I think I've been healed. She turned around, threw the covers off, got out of bed. She started running down the hallway telling all the nurses, I've been healed. I'm healed. And she was revived. And that preacher left that hospital and he got to his car and he stopped and he looked up and he said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> you know, he didn't expect anything to happen when he prayed. Guys, we, we should expect when we pray that the Spirit will move. That doesn't always move the way we want it to. It doesn't always follow our timetable. But listen to this passage of Scripture. It comes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everybody to come to know Jesus, to repent, and to be saved. And part of our part is to pray for those people and to pray for God's Spirit to work in their lives. Now, the last thing I want you to see is their sincere prayers led to growth in Christ's church. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All those people came to know Christ on Pentecost. It says those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You know, we had a beautiful baptism here this morning. Uh, you know, one of God's children gave his heart to Jesus. He was obedient and baptized today. Can you imagine what it would be like 3,000 people being baptized. How about Acts chapter 2, verse 46? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. That means they took communion together. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day somebody in that early church in Jerusalem got saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. But many heard the message and believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. They went from 3,000 on the day of Pentecost to just in a short time to 5,000 men. That doesn't count all their women and children that were together. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 14... More and more men and women believed in the Lord and we added and were added to their number daily. You see, more and more people came. This is a result of the work of prayer and ministry by the church and the Holy Spirit's working and people came to know Jesus. You know, what we see in the early church is that the people there, they believed they, they prayed together, they served, they trusted, and they obeyed, and the Holy Spirit worked. And people came to Christ, and people came to the church. 
I read uh, about a survey that Billy Graham's organization did uh, about five years ago, and they surveyed American people who were not involved in religion, unchurched people, and what they found, what the data showed, is that many people who are unchurched Americans think well of Christians, and they are open to engaging in matters of faith. 67% of those surveyed said they would be willing to attend a church event. 67%. Now, some will not come, but many will come if we do our job and we invite them. And so we need to be diligent in that. You know what one of the problems is? The Barna Research Organization does research for Christian churches all over America, and they found in one of their surveys that only 29% of Christians believe that reaching unreached people around the world is very urgent. 29%. Less than a third of the people in the church think it's urgent that we reach people for Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I was just thinking yesterday as I heard all the bad news, earthquakes going on and, and COVID on the rise and all this stuff. You know, the signs are coming. The end, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to happen next week. Nobody knows the date and time. But we get closer every day to the end of this world as we know it. But those that believe in Jesus, we're going to inhabit a new heaven and a new earth. And we should be seeking to let everybody know how they come to know Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Listen to this. Now Paul's writing to Timothy and he wants him to share this with the church. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all the people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, Jesus wants everybody saved. And He wants us to be praying for those people. And He's going to send His Holy Spirit to work when we pray. So here's our connection. Our prayers can be a catalyst for the power of the Spirit to move in our ministry area. But I want to tell you something today. If you don't get anything else today, get this. The only way prayer works is if you actually pray. Okay? You have to actually do it. And I'm asking you to do it. God's asking you through me to do it. And when you add faith to that, God is going to be involved. And He's going to send His Holy Spirit to work. So, the key is when we pray. we got to pray. You know, take this, take this sheet and read this prayer on the back that they give you. It gives you topics to pray for. It gives you a prayer. This is not, you don't have to pray this prayer. This is just a guideline to help you. I just want to read it for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to pray for this home. You love everyone who lives here. I know you desire a relationship with them. I pray your blessing on this home. Send the Holy Spirit to guide them and allow them to feel your presence. I ask you for an opportunity to share Jesus with the people who live here. Bring his good news to them. Please protect those 
who live here and draw them closer to yourself. May your will be done at this house. May this home come to know your grace, truth, and love. Amen. You know, it's a simple prayer. And we can do this. And we can take these door hangers and place them somewhere where they will see them and know that they've been prayed for and that somebody cares about them. I was reminded this week about a TV commercial. You remember back, uh, this is around Super Bowl 37, 2003, there was a movie that was popular in that day. And what was the name of that movie? <laughs> Castaways. And Tom Hanks played, and he's this guy who's delivering a FedEx, um, he's delivering a FedEx plane full of packages and he crashed and he was stranded on a desert island and he's out there for five years but he had this couple of packages that he had saved and he was determined he was going to deliver these packages and there he, there he had them and so finally you know five years later he gets saved he struggled his hair's all long and this commercial was sort of a spoof on that for FedEx, and it shows this guy with long stringy hair and a long beard, and he knocks on the door, and he says, Ma'am, I'm from FedEx, and I just want you to know I was stranded on an island five years, but I saved your package, and I want to give you this package. And she sort of nonchalant says, Well, thank you, and goes to close the door. And he said, Ma'am, could I just ask you what's in that package? And she said, Well, yeah. She opens it up. She said, There's a... There's a uh, uh, a cell phone in here, a satellite phone that will reach from anywhere. There's a global positioning advice that would let anybody know where you're at. There's a fishing rod. There's some seeds that you could use to grow food. And she said, you know, really, there's everything you could need to survive on a desert island. The whole time he was on that desert island, he had what he needed to be rescued. You know, our theme for the year is everything we need. We have everything we need to do what God has called us to do, to pray and to go. And we've made it as simple as it can be. And so I, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to sincerely pray. And I'll tell you right now, the devil's going to work on you. You ain't got time to do this. You don't need to do this. Let Somebody else will do it. That's, that's what the devil's going to be whispering in your ear. You shut him down when he does that. And you make a commitment to God, not to me, to God, and say, God, I'm going to work at this. And despite the obstacles, I'm going to pray for my neighbors. I'm going to do my best to get these the door hangers where they can see them. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit do its job and begin to work in people's lives. Let's pray. God, we pray you help us in this campaign. Most importantly, because we want to reach people that don't know you, that don't have a church home, that they might be saved. They may not come to our church. Maybe it just sparks a, uh, something in their lives that reminds them they need to be part of a church because that's what you've called everybody to. And you want everyone to be saved. So I pray that you bless the efforts of this campaign that you guide us and direct us as we go out and begin to pray and go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.